0: The Lifestylist, episode 43, featuring Scott Lindy. I'm Luke Storey, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. What is up and what's going down, fam? This is Luke's story bringing your mind, body, and spirit another shot in the arm in the form of this show, The Lifestylist Podcast. Today's guest is my friend Scott Lindy. Scott Lindy's the founder of a company called Sun Potion, and he's a master herbalist and entrepreneur. We talked to Scott today about his story, how he hit a bottom after a massive auto accident while he was being a baller, selling real estate in LA, kind of caught up in the whole scene here, eventually ended up giving up his job and all his belongings to go live out in the boonies in nature, basically, as a total minimalist, as a recluse for about five years. And during that time, he was introduced to herbs and plant medicines and eventually decided to start his own company. So I talked to him about how to be spiritual and live this sort of stoic life, but also dominate in business. How do you find that balance? So how do you combine success principles of the achievement gurus like Tony Robbins, but also apply the spiritual principles of yoga and the Tao, etc.? How to balance Your masculine and feminine energy to be more effective in the world. And of course, how do we really use medicinal herbs and mushrooms to become more resilient and powerful? So we cover some of my favorites like Makuna ashwagandha, Hoshu Wu, and reishi mushrooms. And then more importantly, how do you build rituals and positive habits around taking your herbs and supplements? Like, do they just sit in the cabinet and collect dust? Well, we talk about some strategies that you can use to increase the compliance level when you're getting in the habit of taking your herbs, because they can really have such a powerful effect, but only if you take them. And then we also give you a little tip on protecting your supplements from sun damage. You might not know that, but if your supplements and herbs and things like that get sunlight, if they get UV rays, they become super whack and impotent. You don't want that to happen. So this is a great kind of rags to riches stories of a guy who you know, kind of lost meaning in the material world, went off into the woods, (laughs) found his version of God or whatever it was, was introduced to these plants and then made an amazing company around that and now is helping so many people around the world. So it was a really fun sit down for me, have a lot in common in terms of my views on life. Uh, as Scott, so it was just a really cool homie chat, and you guys get to listen in, so thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the interview with Scott Lindy. I also want to remind you to follow me on Instagram. I've been getting a lot of great interactions with people on there. People are always DMing me questions and commenting. It's becoming kind of a cool little extension of my community, so my Instagram is at LukeStory, don't forget the EY. I'm pretty easy to find on there, and you'll also find announcements of new shows and just weird shit that I'm doing out in the biohacking world. It's pretty rad, so I'm starting to spend more time in there. I also do a lot of Instagram stories, which people seem to find amusing. <laughs> and then I, I think, <laughs> and then at all, sometimes they're tragic. Sometimes amusing just depends on uh, your perception of them. But anyway, hang out with me on Instagram. I'll follow you back. We'll kick it over there. And then don't forget to sign up for my newsletter at LukeStory.com. You'll find it right on the homepage. It says, join the tribe. If you do that, You're not going to get spammed out with a bunch of weird stuff, I swear to God. What's going to happen is every week I'm going to send you an announcement that says, hey, here's a new podcast. And if it has a video, I'm going to embed the video. It'll also have the show notes from that show that week. So everything that me and the guests talk about, all the bullet points are going to be all linked out. So it's a really valuable, cool newsletter. Sometimes I'll do a second newsletter a week that will be a special report, like I did one on Samina Beds recently that people really seem to dig. So if it's something really cool that I found and I'm interested in, I'm going to share that content with you. So kick it on Instagram and also get over to lukestory.com and sign up for my newsletter. And do yourself a favor, right now and click subscribe on whatever you're listening to the show on so that you don't miss next week's episode with my friend Khalil Rafati. Khalil is a former skid row junkie that rose from the ashes like a true phoenix and is now the juice king of Malibu. He's an amazing entrepreneur really fantastic success story. And that episode is all about recovering from addiction and alcoholism, things that I know a little bit about. So again, you get to eavesdrop between two guys sitting down and chatting really for two hours. It's a two part episode next Tuesday and next Friday, but you might forget if you don't subscribe. So click subscribe and catch us next week. Hey guys, exciting announcement. I'm sure most of you know what the Wim Hof Method is by now, and if you've been listening to this show, you know it's something I'm super into. It involves breathing, mindfulness, ice baths, all kinds of rad stuff. One of the most powerful modalities I've ever practiced. Well, the rad news is is that this Saturday, February 4th, 2017, my friend Dr. Tricia Smith is going to be teaching the Wim Hof Method fundamentals at my brother's gym, Story Fitness, here in Hollywood. So that's this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. If you want to get in, I would suggest hurrying because this might sell out. There's only about 20 spots uh, available. There's probably less by the time this airs. I'm hoping there's a couple. If you miss out, we'll do it again. The website where you sign up is whm, as in Wim Hof Method, dash fundamentals.eventbrite.com. That's whm-fundamentals.eventbrite.com. I'll see you this Saturday at Story Fitness for the Wim Hof Method Fundamentals. A huge part of my health strategy is taking medicinal herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And one of my favorite ways to take them is by making herbal elixirs. That's really tasty, hot and cold drinks. It's much cooler to take them that way than taking a bunch of pills. Like, who can remember to do that? Well, I want to let you know about my friends from Four Sigmatic. These guys make the most potent, high quality and delicious herbal blends that are really easy to take. You can make a cold or hot, herbal elixir drink. Like what I like to do is either add them to my bulletproof coffee, or if I don't want to have caffeine, I'll just make myself a Four Sigmatic herbal elixir with something like cordyceps, lion's mane, um, chaga mushrooms, reishi mushrooms, ashwagandha, all the good stuff, all the stuff that you can really feel working is available at Four Sigmatic. So what I'd like you to do is go to foursigmatic.com and check it out. They have an amazing suite of products. And like anything that I promote, this is stuff that I use every day myself. I love this stuff. I'm super addicted to it, which is why I want to tell you about it. So go to foursigmatic.com. But even better, when you're there, enter the code THELIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 15% off your order, which is pretty sweet. So enter THELIFESTYLIST and save 15% at foursigmatic.com. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at HumanCharger.com. The Human Charger is a device that I use on a very regular basis to not only treat the negative effects of jet lag, but also just to increase my energy levels, mood, and mental alertness. So how does this magical machine work? Essentially, it shoots white light into your ear canal via these little earbuds, Which hits the photosensitive areas of your brain and activates the creation of serotonin, dopamine, and neuroadrenaline, basically the chemicals that your brain makes to keep you awake and feeling good. So it's a really cool piece of biohacking technology known as light therapy. And this stuff's been used since the 80s, and I use it all the time. It's very effective. Check it out for yourself. Go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke. But wait, there's more. When you get over there, Enter the code STORY20 to save 20%. Don't play yourself. Don't forget that code. 20% is going to really count. So go to humancharger.com forward slash Luke. Enter the code STORY20 to save 20%. Scott Lindy is owner and founder of Sun Potion. He developed the company through his own transformational experience with herbal foods. With a background in rolfing, he began to notice profound shifts in his own body and consciousness with the addition of tonic herbs and superfoods into his diet. These shifts transcended the optimum state of well being he had already sustained in his field of work. The line evolved from Scott's personal motivation to source the highest quality tonic herbs, algae, greens, and mushrooms from all around the globe, simply because this is what he wanted to put in his body. With the natural tendency to share with others, Scott began to offer foods to friends and clients, and the company formed in response to the positive shifts in the community's health and organically growing demand for these transformational foods. Welcome to the Lifestyle of Scott. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's really awesome to see you again, man. I know we shot some video when I saw, I ran into you a couple of years ago, and I've been wanting to get you on the podcast to talk about everything that you do. You have a fascinating life, and I wish that our listeners could see you right now because you have the most fantastic like <laughs> monochromatic yellow and white whole situation going. We're, we're, we'll take a photo I'll put on Instagram, but I was like, this dude knows fashion and he knows Herbalism and transformational food, so I'm excited to. They don't um, call it a lifestyle for nothing. I yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Cool. So, tell us a little about how you got your start with herbalism and natural healing and all the stuff that you're into with your company, Sun Potion.
1: Well, thank you. You know, for me, the the real beginning started in nature. So I was raised on a lake in Minnesota, real close to nature and later moved to California and was living in a relatively unnatural environment right down the street from the Hollywood Air One on Beverly and Fairfax. And so I had a period of a couple of years there, but the, I fortunately got to leave LA at some point. And then it was a really clear nature, 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 you got to get back to nature. So I did a good five-year piece of doing a very ambient lifestyle and existence that included a lot of nature and living outside and barefoot hiking every day and working in the earth and not so much gardening, but more like digging trenches and things like that. I mean, actual physical earth moving kind of things, which I found to be incredibly therapeutic and healing and helpful and revitalizing and revelation inspiring and all kinds of things. So during that period, I lived for a while up at Mount Madonna Center up on Santa Cruz coast area, mountain area. That was great. Little ashram experience. But then moved down to Ojai and was living at the Ojai Foundation for another six months, digging trenches and moving rocks and things like that. And then continued living in Ojai and used that as a base for the following number of years. And... During this time, I was choosing not to have a J-O-B or Journey of the Broke experience and was actually just choosing to... <laughs> Journey of the Broke, that's that's amazing. I, I understand that very well. Yeah, go on. And so the lifestyle at that time was absolute minimalism and there was this great uh, pride and excitement around having as little as possible, as little possessions or distractions or other things as possible, as little time even in town in Ojai as possible, and as much time in nature, and as much time following curiosities and studying and learning. And I was really fortunate here in Southern California, we have access to these incredible lineage keeper teachers who are from all over the world. So you can study with someone who's teaching esoteric Egyptian things or Taoist internal alchemy practices or some kind of really trippy far out there meditation practices or the crystal skulls or stuff with John of God down in Brazil or the homeland of, you know, in, in his late life, Alan Watts and other, other such greats. And so I was able to, because I wasn't spending my time going and working at a job, I was able to take the time to really learn and sponge and absorb and saturate and gestate in a lot of really interesting lines of study that maybe on the surface were very not similar. And yet on a deeper level, eventually they became so overlapping and similar that we could talk about any piece of any one of those lines and relate them to every other piece of every other line. And so um, those kinds of, for me, that was like taking time out and stepping out of the normal routine of life and the normal participation with life was absolutely essential and getting into nature and then having the space and the time to follow these curiosities was what allowed me basically the backlog of experiential understanding of a variety of different topics and having teachers and mentors and leaders and people whom I look to for advice and feedback and recommendations. And every once in a while, I would hear about some special plant. One of the first ones for me was hearing David Wolfe at a some kind of music festival talk about Makuna Prairians. And I don't know what it was, but this was like a a mark in my awareness of that stuff, find it. And that particular thing at the time was relatively... Not available on the market and it wasn't easy to find. And I was looking for it and, you know, eventually got to find it and started having the experience of single ingredient, best quality, bioavailable, micronutrient kind of subtle, like almost like we're eating precursors of things that we want later in our nervous system, in our brain, in our kidneys, in our life force, these kinds of things that can be incredibly sensory. Experiential. And through eating, like, for instance, the Makuna Purians every day, just a little half teaspoon or teaspoon in water or tea or something of that nature, being able to have a full felt experiential relationship with that plant to me was just totally fascinating. And so, through all of those other things, there was this connectivity of like finding plants that I could have these experiences with, which Initially, was just really for myself. It was out of, a again, a curiosity, a love of nature, wanting to experience and feel really good. And eventually, as time went by, there was like a moment where the message came, okay, move from Ojai, go to somewhere you've barely really ever been, distant land, it's a little scary, Santa Barbara. <laughs> so I moved to Santa Barbara, which is about 45 minutes away. It is a lovely place. And that change of location and the change of maybe the land coding or the surroundings or the people or in the general atmosphere in that town. It became this like immediate spark on a Tinder pile of experience and patience and wanting to be of service and asking for some kind of like, give me a job, not a job job, but you know, give me like, give me my mission asking myself, asking spirit. There was this, like reoccurring plea for that that was going on through those five years. And moving to Santa Barbara, there was like this ignition of turning the car on and all of a sudden within two weeks, Sun Potion went from a list of herbs that I was sourcing for myself that I had a deep love and excitement about to this idea of, oh my God, if I could be a conduit or some kind of an avenue for people to have access to these incredible plants on a personal level, that would mean I'd get to have as many of them around as I could ever possibly want to enjoy. And on more of a existential call level, I could actually work for the plants to help connect the plants with the people. Not as many of them know yet as maybe it could be that they actually not only need the plants, but would be totally having a much better experience if they had access and they were, for some reason, started having some of these things every day in their morning tea. And so that just became this almost like a vortex or a suction that really has pulled sun potion and this idea of connecting plants with people forward through the last, in February, this will be six years. So five and a half, five and three quarters, something like that. The adventure is in swing.
0: So there's a couple questions that come up in regard to your journey the first one is you made such a drastic change and did this renunciate path where you're living in hollywood which i of course really relate to because i've been there for 27 years in like the same 5 mile radius going around and around because that's where my work was but i know that feeling when you're like okay i get the city i'm out for me it's taken maybe 27 years to be looking you had that happen much faster but then you talked about you know you moved to ohio you're living essentially off the grid And you're celebrating owning as little as possible and just becoming essentially a nobody, right? Which is kind of the opposite of what the ego wants you to do. The ego wants you to be a somebody and have a company and have a name and have social media followers and dress cool and have a haircut and a cute girl and that whole game. And not there's anything wrong with experiencing the material plane. Um, Spiritually speaking, sometimes you, you want to experience that to have contrast. But what was interesting is you didn't mention like any kind of a spiritual bottom or a dark night of the soul that led into that renunciation. Did anything quote-unquote bad or negative kind of happen internally where you were like, all right, cool, I get this, this sucks, I'm out of here? Or was it just like a following your heart kind of thing?
1: No, there was definitely a punctual moment of catastrophic deterioration of my surroundings that went like a jarring Slap in the face that said, "Run!" There you <laughs> Can't go. Okay, there you go. Out as fast there as you go. possibly can. Well, I'm I'm curious because, like
0: in my in my own journey, and of course, that's all I have to you know relate to subjectively is, you know, the spiritual things that I've been interested in. So many of the things you mentioned, just exploring all these different teachings and modalities and things like that. In the beginning, at least, it was spurned by abject pain and loneliness and terror and just living a really unhealthy and unhappy existence. And that's what like the initial kick in the ass was for me. And I see most people that sincerely pursue the spiritual life, which I think just from the look in your eyes and just your energy as a person, you seem to be really on that page. I've met very few people that just because they want to be happy and be a good person, but everything's already fine, really go deep. You know what I'm saying? It's like you go to a point and you, you, know, you do your Instagram poses of meditation, <laughs> do a little yoga, but like I'm talking where you get to the point of absolute surrender and you really let go of you know, that attachment and your desires and you're like, cool, I'm really just going to focus on getting my hands and feet in the dirt up in Ojai. So what was, what was that moment um, like for you when you kind of made that decision?
1: Oh, it felt, well, I think Spirit or Tinkerbell or the angels or helpers or some kind of multidimensional force was at play because I was living in Hollywood and was you know, with a girlfriend whom I had moved from Minnesota, very traditional kind of environment. Where at Minnesota, you want to go hang out with God, you go to church with the Lutheran or Baptist people that are there. That's what everybody does if you want to have a spiritual kind of a proclivity and so I was raised in that and yet a lot of the structures of that really on an internal level made completely no sense to me on a spirit level so living in Hollywood selling real estate in Brentwood having a kind of a fringe on the on this high lifestyle beautiful kind of experiences doing relatively well in the real estate thing got a new car had it for less than a month Made a silly mistake driving home tired after being in Hawaii and going on a red eye and working all day and driving around LA traffic. Had a Got T-boned in the new car by a cab that was going like 50 miles an hour just a few blocks from my house. And my nervous system like snapped. I mean, I was went from relatively like I can handle this, this is cool, everything's good to like, not being able to walk down the street, not really being able to ride in a car, definitely not wanting to drive, although not really trusting the person I was, who was driving me. You know, and so this, my nervous system was just like fried from the all the layers of distortion that were going on in the city there. And it was like a cellular need to escape. And so from the moment that that happened, within a month, I had a second car. That one totally broke down and fried. I had a... Computer that melted down. I gave away all of my kind of businessy designer, you know, Italian clothes that I had been collecting over those years, and um, put them in the living room, and had a bunch of friends over for dinner, and told them to just enjoy them and take them away. And each of those things that was happening just felt like musty, sweaty blankets being pulled off. So the the flight from L. A. was really like a catapult of moving from something that felt really dense and intense and hard, and my body just couldn't take being there anymore, into the clean air of Oregon. I got a new mountain bike. I got a little Bob trailer, put some camping gear in it, got a ride up to Oregon with a friend, and then spent four months in the woods, as far away from people and cars and everything as possible, just mountain biking. And I would ride out the trails in an area for a week or two and be just camping in the woods, and then I'd just get on the forest road and ride up to the next place with great mountain biking. And so that was a way of initiating the kind of journey.
0: Awesome, thank you. I, I knew that there had to be some kind of, you know, <laughs> some catalyst in there usually, because as I said, most people that really commit to this way of life don't just do it because you know they're living in unicorns and rainbows. So thank you for for sharing that. And I didn't know about you. I mean, we've chatted a bit and met a few times. I didn't know about the real estate background, which is interesting because something I've wondered about you just from afar and watching your business grow and thrive. And now it's, as you said, it's been almost six years, but you have this super, I don't want to use the word passive because that's not right. I think serene would be better. You're just a super chill, serene guy at least when we talk in these venues, and when I see you around town and stuff. But I know, as a businessman who started a business, um, you know, eight years ago myself, that continues to do well and grow and be profitable and all that. That that kind of like spiritual energy and just like it's all good and just being super chill doesn't make you a necessarily successful business person. You know, there has there's a certain degree of aggression sometimes that's necessary. Like you gotta have some huevos. There's legal problems, there's I mean you have to fire people, you have to hire people. You have to be Kind of a hoss, and use that very like mm, proactive masculine energy to get stuff done. Sometimes, you know, so there has to be this balance. And so I always wondered about you. I was like, God, he's so chill. How does he keep a company together and just be like so sort of zenned out, you know? But I see you have a business background in a different business, but you understand money is what I'm saying, right? And marketing and different things that are necessary to be successful in real estate. So. When you had the idea to start Sun Potion, which we're, of course, going to talk about, and I love your products, so I want to talk about some of them as well and just the different things that you're into. So when you started Sun Potion, you're coming out of kind of this reclusive lifestyle. You get into Santa Barbara. You're like, wow, you know, I wonder if I could take some of these herbs and just have a steady supply of them and share them with the world and create something around this how did your background in real estate and business come into play and what's what's the journey been like of being a super chill zen out spiritual guy who gave up everything to now being in a place where you have to look at your bottom line and you, you know, you have to have profit margins and, you know, in order to keep a property going and inventory in the business you're in, I'm imagining that it can be quite stressful and there's people that might cheat you and employees betray you and all sorts of weird stuff happens in business. So what's it been like to practice your spiritual way of life and the sort of Taoist path that you've been on in the marketplace of commerce?
1: You know, that's a great question. And I'll begin by saying I have a lot to thank to my father. I have a great relationship with both my parents, and I speak to them very regularly on the phone. And I grew up in an entrepreneurial household. My dad was a dentist, so he's a professional. But they didn't teach you in dental school how to run a practice with 13, you know, middle aged women as your employees, and then you're the one main dentist, which is what he had going a lot of the time. And so, he was doing things all the time to learn more about how to run his business more fluidly, successfully, just easefully, that kind of thing. And so I grew up bombing around in the little 328i with the windows down, either alternating between listening to Top Gun on full blast or listening to Zig Ziglar or listening to early tapes of Tony Robbins. I love Zig Ziglar,
0: dude, and Tony Robbins. Yeah, that's great. Okay.
1: Additionally to that, being raised with the family value of eventually you can receive and achieve and get to the places and the things that you want in your life may not happen right away, but there was this optimistic worldview of anything can be achieved through hard work. And from that came the lesson and the learned value of quality, absolute quality. Quality being so important of doesn't matter how much we have. It's a matter of how much we are grateful for what we have, how much consideration and care and attention and attentiveness to the quality aspects of maybe the life we have or even if we want to make it material, the specific things that we have, that I'm so grateful to my family for instilling in me from a cellular level early in my life. And when we move forward, I can say that I was moving to California from Minnesota in my early 20s doing a lot of yoga in that period of time you know doing the real estate for a bit but still there was like I was extremely yin by nature through my 20s through the time even especially the time in Ohio I mean it was like the most ambient yin way of spending time was how I was doing a lot of my days in Ohi, and for for things.
0: our for our listeners that aren't familiar with the concepts of yin and yang <laughs> and the masculine and
1: the feminine, could you define what you mean by that? Oh, sure. I mean, on a simple level, you could say yin is like collecting, gathering, uh, moist, inactive, soft,
0: receiving and allowing, receiving right? and allowing. Yeah, yeah these kinds yeah. of
1: things, cultivating. Collecting. So that
0: that's interesting because that was sort of your spiritual exploration, and I've discovered in my own life that any spiritual insights I've managed to be, I don't even want to say attained, but been gifted or any grace that I've received, right? I'm doing hand quotes, is by being receptive, and it is very yin. In other words, like, I'm not going to go out and be spiritual. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to surrender to God's will. I'm going to try really hard. You know, it's like, it's a non-trying. <laughs> it's an allowing. It's a receptive, you know. And there's there's certain actions one must take. I mean, if you're a meditator, you got to get your ass in that seat, and that requires some gumption and some discipline, which is inherently a more yang or masculine energy, right? But then when you're there, you're saying, okay, I'm letting go of all of that power driving and I'm receiving. And so it sounds like during that period, you got the download and received that intuitive connection. And now um, through your business, I'm assuming, and I want to hear, it sounds like you've found more balance and now you're out in the world like, hey, I have a company, we make money, we help people, and you're getting the word out and you're running shit. So what was the transition like coming out of the yin allowing phase?
1: Oh, operating business has been absolutely wonderful for my general balance of, yin and yang, and you asked, well, what about yang? And it, for me, that is like expression, um, outward movement. I mean, creation, being of active service. I mean, it could be both, but for me, it's like actively engaging in the world, working or playing or creating to influence in a positive way what's going on around me, inside of myself, and kind of taking on life in a different tonality for sure. And so initially there was a transition of into that. There was certainly a lot more activity that was going on but because it was fun and exciting and because it was all around these plants that I loved, it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like um, getting up and going to a job per se. It felt like, oh I'm going to go down to the commercial kitchen I'm renting and listen to music for a few hours and like, hand fill jars and put labels on and do these kinds of things. And so there was this ease in transition of going from yin and receiving and cultivating and being very ambient and open to gradually working into responsibility, learning. I mean, operating an independent business or your own business, I think, is just such a huge opportunity for people to take on because you have the endless list of ways to learn and new things to learn. and. As an example, from early on in the business, it was like there were times where I was banging my head against the wall because I didn't know how to use Excel. But every phone call I was getting was asking for a wholesale price sheet that was generated on Excel. And so eventually I had to l- like sit down and exercise the muscle of expressing in a yang, more direct and hard or linear way in order just to have the project to move forward. But because that fuel was there, the passion and the love for the herbs and the fun, uh, it was like doable. It made it less frustrating. It made it more something that was like a game of operating the game of business so that we could keep playing and we could keep playing it to the best of our ability as time goes by. And currently today, I mean, that continues to evolve itself and continues to you know, with these different seasons and shifts in the business become more complex and more difficult or needing to flex the yang power kind of muscle in a certain way. And that's great. I mean, these are like such gifts to have the opportunity to train oneself
0: with. What have been some of the most challenging aspects of running a conscious business because you have a business that's in a space and that has a customer base, I'm assuming, that are pretty awake and aware and people that are fully integrated beings they are out in the world. I mean, most people that are into the stuff that you produce and the quality of the stuff you produce, I'm assuming, are pretty discerning and conscious. And so you have a very environmentally sound, just spiritually sound company, but at the same time, you have to make money and you know there's challenges that come up so what have been a couple things that have happened for you where you almost lost your shit and we're just like I can't take this like for me I've been through a couple audits and like on really I don't know if I want to be a businessman anymore in other words the idea of being like a socially sound conscious entrepreneur sounds fucking sexy and it sounds great but once you start doing it there's lawyers there's ex- I mean you mentioned excel oh my god dude you want to see me like become the most like Aggro person that looks like they never meditate in their life, have me work Excel. I mean, that drives me nuts. But what have been some of the big, you know, heavy hits that have really tested your patience and your stamina in terms of really keeping yourself centered in business?
1: Well, there's different phases for sure. I mean, at at an early phase, having the meltdown of certain internal kind of structures or systems of the business no longer work at the growing capacity of the business. And so they had to be reinvented. While there was simultaneously a demand, they just keep working, and so some of them, you know, this felt experience of waking up with a stomach ache at five in the morning, with like fully uh, running like four different voices on problem and solution of how to solve the next thing. There's been times through the last number of years where I'm like go into these seasons of conflict with the business that need to be addressed and things need to be upgraded and shifted and up leveled and there's certainly a level of discipline that is needed in order to go through those periods fortunately eating tonic herbs the kind that support your life force and your adaptability and your immune system and your nervous system function and your brain function and these kinds or your intuitive capacity or your access to through a physical plane more of a universal body of understanding and knowledge have been incredibly valuable. And so, you know, I feel like I, at least I'm getting some help from the herbs. And another piece that's been really essential is that I knew from a beginning, day one, that I didn't really know how to operate this business. And so in order to do it, I would need a lot of help and a lot of feedback from people that know a lot more than I did. So from day one, it's been mentors and coaches and helpers and team people who give me sage advice and help me to not only just understand but in like see through the like create transparency through some of these sometimes very confusing um, more like greater picture business structures that need to be decoded and then passed through and we do things like relatively non-conventionally yeah i mean I think part of the wonder of not knowing how you should be doing something that you learned in business school, figuring it out from a common sense, humanist morality sort of place has been a big positive lever for us.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I have so many parallels to your story, uh, with the exception that the business that I still run, School of Style, is a fashion school. And while I'm certainly passionate about helping our students become successful and I do, you know, hours and hours of teaching and speaking, I'm not personally excited or enthusiastic about, you know, clothes per se. I mean, like I look at your outfit, I'm like, oh, that guy's dope. It's cool. I mean, I like nice clothes, but I'm really like, I don't go to fashion week, I'm not into it. But I've had a similar experience in that it's the journey of really learning how to run a business and do it consciously and to know when to stand up for yourself and put your foot down and maybe you have to confront someone and then times where someone makes a mistake and you have to be forgiving and loving and compassionate and understand. And there's just, it's so complex, but I like how you're framing it in that. And this can be applied to any type of business, I believe, really. You're framing it as a spiritual practice, right? It's like part of your personal development happens to be playing the game of owning a business. And he used that as an opportunity to grow and to change, which is awesome. Now, when I started doing the podcast, for example, and what we're sitting here doing now is very much like when you said you're just in, in your commercial kitchen playing with herbs, filling up jars, doing this and that, formulating, and like that's what you would do for free anyway. Like sitting here with you uh doing this interview is what I would be doing anyway. I'm like, I like that guy, I want to talk to him, he's hella cool. And imagine how many thousands of people out there would love to hear a conversation with someone like you. So now that I'm doing like a business that is super personal and I'm super passionate about it, it's really exciting. And I can use the lessons that I learned in my other business, which are more sort of pragmatic and linear, um, to apply to this. So I, I just love the idea of, you know, adding intention to what you're doing in your life, whether that's romantic relationships, family relationships, your work. It's like you can actually live a life where every second of the day is devoted to your spiritual evolution. Even though from the outside, it looks like you're just banging it out, making money, serving customers, doing invoices, working in Excel, you know all the stuff that you're doing. But there's a deeper meaning behind it. And I find that I resonate with people that are kind of approaching it from that standpoint. And I also like to support businesses where I intuit that that's what's going on there. And I think that's why I've always been attracted to your branding and your company and your products. And just when I see you, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. He gets it. He gets it. I don't know why, but you just know. So it's really fun to be able to hear what your journey has been like from that perspective. And and I know how hard it is too. I mean, dude, how many supplement companies have come and gone? You know, I mean, I've I've seen so many new brands pop up at a store like Erewhon, and you know, they're in there doing demos and they're really excited. And then a year later, you're like, oh yeah, what happened to that one like probiotic or that one whatever? So to have staying power means that you're doing something right.
1: There's an absolute passion and a mission around bringing exposure and connecting these plant materials with people and and so as a result of that there is a mission aspect to what's happening and as part of a mission aspect there's like a certain times where there's like a demand as a means of allowing the mission to continue and allowing and to protecting the mission that there's there's like a need to pick up the sword at a certain time there's a need to do some of these hard things like Ask someone to not continue working for us or do things that I on a personal level make me feel really uncomfortable and I wouldn't want to do if I had to ever. And yet because the mission is there and the passion and the this desire to actually do what we're doing and watch the mainstream as it swings to one day where we turn around and we go, This is what we're doing, this is what we've been doing, we're continuing to do what we've been doing. And look what's happened. The mainstream is like literally flowing on every direction from around us as we are actively bringing these materials into and feeding the mainstream populace. I mean, and why to do that? Like, why not? Because it's awesome. (laughs) Because it would be really helpful. I mean, if you take a lawyer who, who maybe heard his wife or somebody told him, you know, take some ashwagandha, it'll help with your stress levels. Or his doctor says, you know, integrative doctor says it'll lower your morning cortisol levels so you're not as stressed out at work. Well, if he starts taking that and gets it off the shelf at a grocery store and it starts doing all of the things that that plant can do with a person, it's not just helping his immune system and his hormone balance and his libido and supporting his ability to adapt to mild anxiety or or depression and things like this. He's actually getting some kind of a spiritual attunement to the deva of that plant, which is standing at the front of a whole lineage of human interactions with these like reverential, spiritual, physical, multi-layered relationships with people and plants. Pretty awesome.
0: It is. Yeah. It's interesting. It's sort of like the Trojan horse concept. You know, it's like I have the podcast and I'm getting people like you out to the world sharing this kind of message and you have these products, this plant medicine, I guess you could say, right? That has this inherent wisdom and It's like without having to be Gandhi or Mother Teresa or Martin Luther King, you can actually sort of sneak in the back door of society, of people's lives, right? And have an influence in a way so that lawyer, maybe because he's on adaptogenic herbs, is going to have a little less of an edge and he's going to be a little more kind to his... You know, assistant or he's going to view things maybe more compassionately or holistically when he's taking on a case and then the person that's being prosecuted or litigated against is going to have a different reaction and it's like consciousness has a way of finding the holes where it fits and I think that's what's important about having an intention behind what you do. It's not like you don't have to get out and think that the world needs to change. I mean, that's the thing. I don't believe in like being an evangelist and oh, we have to change the world. It's like, dude, God doesn't need you to help change the world. The universe is going to go where it's going to go. But along the way, I would like to contribute positive action, positive intention, positive feelings, thoughts rather than negative because it just produces a better life. But you're so right how every little thing you do, especially in a business like yours, touches people and you have no idea of the impact and you can see it now. Grow because you meet young people. Like I met a guy the other day who was probably 22 and he said, oh, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I'm into health and wellness and spirituality and stuff like that. He's like, you know about reishi mushroom, bro? <laughs> you know, and he's some kid that yeah. like rides a Harley. I met him in Beverly Hills. He's riding, he wrote up a Harley. And I'm like, oh, who's this dick? And then we sit down and talk and he's like, yeah, I'm really into reishi and cordyceps. So I was like, how old are you, bro? You know? And he's like, all about the life. So it's like someone like you through a product or you know a teaching reached a kid like that. It's like, dude, that can have such a massive impact on the offspring that he's going to have in his life and the offspring that they have. And it's very far reaching, but it happens in minute incremental steps.
1: Right. You know, right. It's
0: like I interviewed Dave Asprey from Bulletproof, and he, from the outside, looks like a vicious entrepreneur that's all about making money and selling coffee. He's a really good marketer. He's a really powerful entrepreneur, but I know, having known him for a few years now and worked with him in different capacities, that his intention is to change the world, but he's not out outwardly doing that in a covert way. He's like, man, if I can upgrade people's mitochondria, if I can get people eating less inflammatory foods, eating grass-fed butter instead of conventional butter, steering away from factory farms into the farmer down the road from you, all these little steps have an impact. And so he's able to reach people maybe that are working in the corporate world and like, oh, I'm about high performance and you know making money and being successful. But it's like I said, a Trojan horse, a sneaky way to kind of upgrade someone's life and they don't even know you're doing it. You're just like, here, eat this herb, take this coffee, get these good fats, add this, add that. And next thing you
1: know, you've transformed someone. Beauty. What is beauty? What do humans find beautiful? Somebody who's got a lot of life force, great circulation, relatively healthy, adaptable immune system, you know, is carrying around the genome that can like thrive and survive. Well, what do tonic herbs do? They nourish those things. So tonic herbs, eaten daily, exceptional quality examples of these plants, we're seeing this as like inroads to the brand through fashion and beauty. And just like you're saying, the Trojan horse, it's like, yes, if you have hoshuwu every day, your fingernails will probably grow faster and be smoother and sharper, and your hair will probably grow faster, and your skin may look clearer, your eyes may be brighter. And what else is going to happen? You're going (laughs) to, on some subtle plane, the hope is that you might also have a completely um, life-altering spiritual experience from having your morning tea. And if it took the conversation of, I want to look my best, to get to that place, so much the better. I don't mind how it happens. It's really exciting to see whether it's physical performance or whether it's mental performance or whatever. It's one of these like kind of more like, I want something for me, maybe motivators that brings people into the discussion. And then through that Trojan horse has this other way that it's working with the body, working with the cells, working with the person's spirit. And I just heard David Wolfe say something that just struck at home for me, that herbal... Herbal literacy fosters environmental literacy. You get somebody like that interested in reishi mushroom, cordyceps. Maybe that person goes and decides to go on a trip out into the country to like look for those mushrooms one day or puts himself in places where those mushrooms can even see him or notices them when they show up. I was in a, doing a workshop last summer in West Village in New York, and I looked down in the planter around the tree where there's like so much dog piss there and like a bag of trash and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, a, you know, right in the West Village, grimy cement, all this stuff. There's reishi mushroom growing at the base of the tree.
0: No way. With garbage dude. and
1: all this stuff all around it. Now, would you want it? You would not want to eat that reishi right. mushroom, but I was like, Hey, maybe
0: you could, you dude, could detox I see it by you. boiling the hell out of
1: it. No, no, no. <laughs> I see you. Like, I see you there. I acknowledge you. And why is it there? Well, that's like a special place. There's like something multidimensionally relevant and important about that particular spot that that reishi mushroom showed up there. And so it's not that you have to leave to go to nature. Nature is happening everywhere around us. And as people get more access or more information or literacy about this herbalism or this daily tea that they're drinking or this daily kind of ritual of self-care whether it's initially because of performance or beauty or whatever it is, there is this like steady, persistent wave of sensitivity that also comes with that, that for me personally, I just am so grateful for in my life and the impact of starting to feel and sense and interact with these kinds of things has been so relevant in my own personal development. I mean, I'm Sun Potion's best customer. Nothing that we're doing is not my preference. We're doing <laughs> we're doing it because I love it. And I think that, you know, why not? Probably somebody else is gonna like this too. And so the people that do like that and get to access it or or use it, I mean, I think it's really great. I'm super grateful just to have the opportunity to like play in this arena, to have a vehicle to do these things with and to be able to be interacting with the plants and with the people in this kind of facilitating way.
0: So you have a a seemingly esoteric kind of relationship with these plants and the way that you talk about the plants to someone like me makes total sense because I'm pretty woo-woo in terms of like, you know, the interconnectedness of the universe and having a pretty deep understanding that there's a lot more going on here than we're aware of or that could ever understand, you know? And I think anyone that just studies space for five minutes and then tell me that this is all a logical world. I mean, it's just like there's obviously an interdimensional world here that we are only perceiving a very small portion of. You know, So I totally get that. And uh, I'm drawn to certain herbs at uh, certain times because I think my body needs them or even foods. Like lately, it's interesting, I realized last night for about the past month I've been eating almost an entire bag of wild blueberries from Maine. You know, those good ones. I forget the brand, but they're just super rich and beautiful. Much more, to me, powerfully, energetically uh, than, like, your grocery store domesticated, you know, non-wild blueberries. And then I realized last night that I've also noticed recently that my eyesight is declining really fast all of a sudden I became aware of it. Like when I'm under a lot of fluorescent lights and LEDs, I can't see. When I go to conferences, I can't read the slides and the person next to me can. I've always had perfect vision. And it occurred to me, as like, oh, berries are really good for your eyes. But I didn't start eating berries consciously because someone said, hey, your eyes are going bad. I haven't told anyone about my eyes. I'm just noticing it because it's kind of freaking me out a little bit that I guess what do you do? You get glasses. I just, I'm always one of those guys, oh, that'll never happen to me. You have context, bro. I'm like, oh, pfft, I'm never going to have that problem. I'm so healthy. And, you know, for whatever reason, it's getting me. But I saw that on some level, you know, my body sent the message to my mind like, hey, man, maybe you should eat like copious amounts of blueberries every single night. And that's what I'm doing. So I understand that subconscious kind of relationship to plants, but on a more practical, pragmatic basis, What are some of your favorite, just right now, herbs and um, adaptogens and things and why? Like, what if someone was interested in just putting their foot in the water and trying something that would have a noticeable effect on them that's not woo woo at all, but that's like, boom, I have more focus, I have more sexual energy or whatever it is. Like, what are a couple of the heavy hitters to you?
1: Great question. So, I'll say something briefly just that there is an intentionality for people to develop their. Their personal discernment, their physical instrument for listening and tasting and feeling and sensing and knowing what to do without even needing to think about it, like you're doing with the blueberries. And when we're nurturing ourselves with these tonic herbs, super tonic herbs, kind of things, on a, or adaptogens, like you're mentioning on a daily basis, these are plants that are going to be informing our body, like. It's not uncommon for somebody to start having sun potion on a daily basis in their tea and for them to actually start feeling their body differently than they're used to. I would say that it's relatively not uncommon for us when we're maybe living and working and going through the mill of our daily lives to like not notice that maybe we bumped our knee on the desk a day or two ago and it's actually bruised and sore, but we just go about our day all day long and don't even feel it or take care of it or notice it. I mean, because we are, you know, it, it's possible to be in like a very mental kind of non feeling kind of a way. And having these kinds of herbs every day does have an effect of like bringing people into their body to start feeling, sensing, and experience what's going on in their system, which I think is really, really, really cool. And if people can learn to listen to that, then the why of why they're eating the blueberries doesn't even need to be a part of their conscious awareness because as they're listening to their body go, give me more of those blueberries. We got to go back to the store that has the special ones. Um, Then they're getting what they need anyways. And that that just is awesome, I think. Um, Now, as far as specific products or herbs or plants that I'm really excited about right now, I am just really a fan of anything that a person can add into what they're already doing in their daily self care in the morning as a means of maybe adding in a little bit more intentionality and like taking a moment to actually sit down or to do something intentionally positive for themselves through the ritual of, like, oh, I'm gonna. Sure, it's easy to re- forget to take something if it's in the cupboard, behind a few other things. Well, this is a more about like bringing in ceremony, bringing in ritual, bringing in daily practice, because that compliance piece of remembering to have the stuff, it doesn't do anything if it's in the cupboard. So put it on your counter, put it next to where you make your tea, put it next to the coffee maker, make it look nice. Make a, there's this idea of having like a food altar on the counter of where you're putting these kinds of things, having a special spoon having a special bowl that you like to drink it out of or whatever. So that's a that's like a really helpful way to receive all of the benefit of whatever plant that they're going to begin, person is going to begin experimenting with or having on a daily because it, they'll just get so much more out of it if they have a little bit every day than if they have a sporadic or changing amount here and there at times. So some solid foundational pieces. I mean, for me, earlier I mentioned that macuna prairie ends. And that material is a cold water extract that contains 15% L-DOPA, levodopa, immediate precursor to dopamine in the nervous system. So as we nourish healthy dopamine levels, it, what does that do for us? It actually like makes us feel better. It elevates the mood. It soothes the nervous system. You mentioned the mitochondria. It nourishes the mitochondria. We have a research study from National Institute of Health on our website at the bottom of the MACUNA page. is like a read more tab. It goes to nih.gov and there's a research piece in there about how eating MACUNA prairie ends 15% levodopa extract on a daily basis. They go so far in that research study to say that it can repair and restore damaged RNA and DNA in the mitochondria of the cell. That's a big deal because what actually deteriorates the mitochondria, what actually affects and negatively affects the RNA and DNA or our geno- genome of what makes us human. Well, all of, the con- all of the contamination, all of the like inorganic, tampering, nefarious stuff that we are exposed to on a daily basis, whether it's nefarious or not, That maybe we'll just leave that as a question. But it's, it's like GMO foods deteriorate the genome. Some pharmaceutical drugs certainly could do that. Um, Exposure to household chemical cleaners, for sure. Exposure to fragrance and laundry detergent, for sure. I mean, these kinds of things are all around us. And so if you can have a little Makuna Purians every day, that is something that is like not only safe and helpful and effective for a young person, children, but definitely people as they age every neurological disorder out there, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, geriatrics, senile, this and that, and every other one, all link back to, at some point, there's a link to deplete percentages of healthy, what's considered healthy dopamine levels. And so, you know, it's not surprising then that that material is actually the number one natural treatment for Parkinson's. People call, we get to have these like, such fun conversations with these grandpa guys, and they call and they read about it somewhere in their literature. And apparently, lima beans and this extract of macuna purians are like great for them when they're dealing with Parkinson's. So, wow, what does macuna
0: actually come from? Is it like a pod or it a, a bean. seed or something? A bean, yeah, okay. it's a
1: bean. And so, the raw bean you can find it out on the market where it's just the bean dried and powdered. And that would be a whole food example of that plant. And there's probably good nutrition and things in there that are that are great about it. And there's, I would suppose, depending on the supply of the farm or this and that, there'd probably be a varying small degree of, small percentage of that plant chemistry, levodopa, L-dopa, in it. But when we're doing these extract processes, there's ways to make standardized levels of specific plant chemistries. And so... is substantially more bioavailable and concentrated than would be found in the bean dried
0: and powdered. Wow, yeah, I love Makuna and specifically the one that you guys make, the problem that I have, like you mentioned earlier, like yeah, maybe you do like half a teaspoon of Makuna in your morning drink and I'm going like, uh, like a tablespoon. It's like a little jar of it and I mean, I'll put like some uh, bulletproof brain octane in my mouth. That's like my little delivery system And then I swish stuff like that around, but I'm like three days, I'm out of it. And it's probably the law of diminishing returns. I'm sure your body is not going to benefit from a tablespoon of Makuna during a one-week period. It'd probably be better, as you said, kind of in a more adaptogenic way where you're doing half a teaspoon for a month, right? Rather than like big doses and then you're out of it and you forget to buy more. But I love that stuff. Just It's one of those herbs that my body just goes like, yes, more, more, more. Like it's just, it tastes good and it feels good. It's fantastic.
1: You can have more, but I will tell you that there's something that's been going on at the office recently where I'm just totally fascinated with this particular story. Our bookkeeper that started with us in April, she has a horse that's 30 years old whom has been on like strong arthritis medication for the last number of years. And 30 years old for a horse is old. She asked me, well, are there any herbs I could maybe give my horse? It's got all this, this and this and this going on. I was like, maybe eucomia bark. I mean, it's great for the sinews and the joints and the, the, the bones and um, great for the spinal column and all the ligamentous elastic tissues in the body. Just how much should I give it? Well, the horse is huge. And, you know, I don't know how many jars of eucomia we want to go through in a week for this horse if we do it on weight and that kind of stuff so I was just like I maybe like a teaspoon just give the horse a teaspoon and it's like grains and stuff that you give it every day and so she's been doing that since April and she comes in every once in a while and is like the horse is officially off all of its medication the horse is no longer acting all drugged out and weird and sort of semi there like it used to when we gave the horse its medication the horse is prancing around the yard like, you know, the corral like, it is way younger than it has been behaving recently. Um, oh, Recently she said you know, the horse, the farrier would come to fix the horse's hooves and the horse couldn't even like lift its foot up long enough for it to get its hooves clipped. And so she said this last week the guy was out and the horse just picks its back leg up, which is the main problem leg, and just holds it up for like two or three minutes. The guy does its whole thing. No, no, they're not holding the leg up for it. The horse has just got its leg up. I mean, there's a, specifically about serving size, you don't, it does not, you do not have to take that much. These herbs are really potent and powerful and it really is a commitment to the compliance and the daily practice of having it. That's the game. Yeah, It's titrating like a little drop of the coded plant language into the body on a daily basis Every day, over and over and over again for an extended period of time, and that is what creates this like carrier wave or frequency of adaptability, wellness, power in the body. Then it starts moving like a steam locomotion that's
0: insane that's a crazy story because i'm picturing like you said the the, <laughs> just is the, like the, a the, the yeah, the that? body mass <laughs> like what an effective dose of something would be when you have that much biology walking around. That's that's insane. But also I want to go back to um just your concept of compliance and the incremental changes because I think when a lot of people look at, oh, I want to be healthier. I want to lose weight. I want more focus. I want this and that. And I get this feedback from people all the time. They're like, "Yeah, you can do that stuff, but you're like a freak of nature. I'll never remember to take my herbs. I won't do an ice bath cuz it's too hard and you know, there's like these things that seem extreme to be someone like me or someone like you that's been into this stuff for a long time and it just has become integrated into your lifestyle like brushing your teeth has. That's what I always say to people is like, is it really hard to make a special morning, you know, elixir out of herbs? No. How hard is it to brush your teeth? I mean, it's just what you do every day. To me, taking an ice bath is just what I do every day. It takes 10 minutes, big deal. I mean, you could go on Instagram like and go in a vortex for three hours, like, and you don't even notice you're gone, you know? And
1: that time is just gone. Yeah,
0: totally. <laughs> so I, I like what you're saying about keeping the herbs out, you know, or whatever, you know, plant medicines you're working with, keeping them out. And and I just want to add that. There's two issues with that for me. One is that I'm very visually and aesthetically affected and most companies in this space have the shittiest looking like branding and I don't want those ugly bottles and jars all over my counter And you guys actually have really pretty branding. I'm like, if you guys made everything I take, I would buy all your stuff just because I could keep it out on the counter and it would look nice. You have these nice like gold foil labels and a cool logo and it doesn't look heinous like most of the stuff that we look at on my shelf there.
1: Just to be clear, I didn't say you should leave all of those out. Okay, okay. Just the sun potion ones. And the reason that we made the jar beautiful and appealing and coated in this like universal transhumanist sort of ancient symbology for embodiment and self-development with the winged sun disk is that there is like an energetic magnetic signature that our human cellular biology goes like, oh, I remember that. I know what that is. So there, just because it is a dietary supplement doesn't mean that it can't have... I mean, I put little crystals out. I put things out that I find beautiful and appealing to make a space nice and make it feel like a temple and make it feel like my own. And I feel totally comfortable brand specifically <laughs> putting out the herbs in a, as a part of that demonstration. Or if you ever come up to my office, it's like, there's like little uh, vignettes or like displays of all kinds of And there's just jars like sitting in the (laughs) like altars that are have sun potion jars like just tucked back there in case I because that's where I make the matcha or over there is where I do something else or
0: that's that's very much easier to do when you have something that's aesthetically pleasing and I like that too that's an interesting concept that somewhere in our ancient memory or DNA is the recognition of certain symbols. You know, that's interesting. I mean, personally, I I follow kind of the world's religions and all spiritual teachings. They all seem to say in one way or another that this is not our first ride at the rodeo. You know, it's like, we've been here before. We're coming back until we learn the lessons, you know. So I totally see that. Like, I don't know if I'm a reincarnated Egyptian pharaoh or whatever, but I know that I am drawn to certain um, symbols in mythology, more so than others. So who knows? The other piece there, though, with having them out, which I think is important to touch on in case anyone's like, yeah, cool, I'm going to put my vitamin C in my kitchen window, is that most packaging of supplements is inferior because of the oxidation caused by the UV light. And I know that you guys did something else really smart, and that's you use um, Myron or Myron glass, which is fantastic, and I happen to know that it's much more expensive to package your stuff in that than it would be in, you know, some amber-colored glass or clear plastic or colored plastic. So, what's up with the preservation of the the uh, potency of these? Let's just call them um, medicines or herbs when you're using that glass.
1: Great question. So, I mean, this is another opportunity just to discuss that. Personally, I approach these herbs with a certain level of like deference and honoring them and respecting them and like wanting to put them in something that actually that glass from Miran or Myron from Switzerland is incredible technology because it's only allowing violet. What is that seventh or eighth chakra kind of crown spectrum of light into the inside of the glass so what that does is that that light frequency actually adds to the life force and nourishes the life force of whatever material is inside of the glass. There's You can even just look on their website. They've got these demonstrations of many different colors of glass packaging or plastic or different things, cherry tomato inside, leave them in there for a few weeks, pop them out. Most of them look like a science experiment. They've got hairdos, they've got their different colors, they're, you know, they're rotting. <laughs> and the the mirror on, it's, the thing is like plump and glossy and looks like it just came off the vine. I mean, for me, that's enough right there. But again, when we're doing the, the matte gold finish, the violet glass, and these kinds of things, there is like a alchemical, royal, spiritual kind of rarefied special thing about the presentation of the material so that there's this message that's conveyed that this stuff is relevant it's something to be honored and appreciated and respected and enjoyed and have a part of your life you were saying well how do you get someone to kind of start with this daily ritual thing I mean why not just start telling yourself that you love it and even if you don't know what it is I mean you tell yourself that you love it enough you're going to start loving it and if you can't do that you could just go well I don't really love this, but I'm going to try doing this every day because I love myself. That's another good way to start. So there's like a, oh, this is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just try going through this one jar of something. Let's say reishi mushroom. Just as an exercise or an act of like taking a moment to take, pull a half teaspoon out and stir it into my morning latte as an act of saying I love myself to myself. And then see what happens. I mean, there's like a whole thing that starts happening.
0: That's beautiful, man. And that's a, that really is the easiest point of access, I think. And something I heard you mention, David Wolf, and something I heard from him years ago was in terms of that compliance and building in those habits and that discipline is that to tell someone to like quit shopping at Costco, get off GMOs, quit smoking, quit doing drugs, quit drinking tequila, stop everything bad is is never going to work but if you can through the law the principle and the law of displacement right where you add one little thing in little by little then what happens is some of those negative habits tend to fall away and i always picture the law of displacement like you have a glass of muddy water you know and you let's just say you don't have the strength to pick the thing up and empty it out all in one fell swoop so what you do is you slowly drip clean, clear water into that glass until eventually you've displaced all that muddy water and you have a crystal clear glass of water in your hands. And, and I think that's a really amazing way of starting even with the psychology of like, I love myself. I care about myself. I'm even just willing to try this. And you haven't even tasted an herb yet at that point. It's like the very first access point. And I love that approach. So on that note, as we come to the end of the show here, I'd like to get from you because I've learned so much sitting down talking to you. You've been, you know, for all intents and purposes, my teacher and our listeners' teacher today. Who have been three influential teachers or teachings throughout your life in any capacity in any area? So it could be a philosophy, a book, a person, a grandpa, anyone. Like, who, who are your go tos that we might even be able to find and learn from?
1: Oh, great question. I absolutely love Alan Watts. He's like the, you know, it's like listening. And in in the herb world, we have great entertainers like Ron Teagarden and David Wolf. For me, it's like pure and entertainment joy to like sit down and just listen to those guys talk because they have stories, they have insight, they have funny reflections, they, they make it interesting. Well, Ellen Watts, he's, you know, he's drawing from Zen and Buddhism and the English church and all these different things and he's making it funny and entertaining and explaining um, complicated topics in a way that anybody can understand and there's an enormous body of work out there, audio files of him. I personally love to, to listen to material because especially material that's actually presented by the person who whose material it is because you pick up the energetic signature through the intonations in the voice, through the, the laughs and the little structures that, that start appearing in, in the presentation. And so Alan Watts has been a really a a fun way to learn about some of these more Eastern meets Western perspectives of spirituality, of attention, of nature, of these kinds of things. So there's that on a plant level, you know, someone who really uh, kind of cracked me open as far as my understanding, a new understanding of plants at the time was David Crow, who owns Floricopia Essential Oils up in Grass Valley area. And I went to a, a workshop, like a three-day workshop in Creston, Colorado, which is an awesome place as well, of David Crow. And I had never been exposed to any discussion about essential oils of plants. Well, he did a several-day workshop breaking down how the Ayurvedic five-elemental structure or system could be applied to plants. And then the, because of the five elements of the environment which that plant is growing in, let's say a sage in Ohio. it's hot, it's windy, it's on dry earth, it Has this like respiratory air element, a little bit of fire cleansing uh, feel to it? And when we breathe that in through our nose, the olfactory is the olfactory center in the nose is the most direct contact with the brain to the outside world. Before the air even gets to our lungs, the olfactory is communicating with the brain to let us know what's going on on the outside world. And then that directly influences and changes the five elemental constitution of our body, which done in a meditative setting, going through and smelling and discussing dozens of different essential oils over the course of that weekend and subsequent workshops and classes with him. Having the felt feeling elemental experience of feeling the sage Feels like wind, air, clearing, warming. I mean, those are like having somebody take the time and patience to actually break it down on a, like, give you the background information, give you piece by piece, and then walk you through the the way to, like, feel it in your own body. What is largely like a, could be a confusing topic if more, if brought from more of a linear perspective or something. That was huge for me. I mean, it was just immense. It was like mind-blowing. That's awesome. I'm blown away right now. I'm like, uh, let's do another episode just on that <laughs> topic. We can. <laughs> no, we can talk about anything in this whole conversation that's amazing. for hours. It's
0: yeah, like... we'll, uh, we'll definitely <laughs> add that to the show notes because I wasn't familiar with his work, so that, that's fantastic and worth exploration. What about a
1: third one? Oh, great. You know, my grandfather on my mother's side was a very practical guy. He was a very, very humble guy. He worked for the IRS. He rode the bus to and from work. He built the house that he raised his family in, and they lived on, like, the east side of St. Paul, which is a very kind of blue-collar kind of zone over there. And something I learned from him that has played a perennial role in my experience has been this this kind of perspective of balance, of If I would tell him something or, oh, so and so, something, this happened, he would almost, he would basically always just respond with like the inverse of that situation and go, like, well, maybe that person was having a bad day or maybe they, you know, maybe they were having a hard time with their parents and that's why they spoke to you like that or something like that. And so this, this like empathy, compassion, sensitivity, listening, humble, gratitude, immense learning of gratitude through sitting with, his name was Ken, sitting with Grandpa Ken. And like when I was up at the Ohio Foundation and I'm like deep in nature and having these morning kind of unravelings of my psyche going, standing and watching the sunrise and just like standing up on the, the mountain there and like alternating between crying and not knowing if I'm, if I'm sad and then laughing. (laughs) So I was pretty sure I was really happy, but like alternating back and forth. And then the waves of gratitude of the like beauty of the nature there and the sensitivity that was coming in from that. And while he was still alive, this was going on for me. And so I would call him up on the phone and I talked to him for an hour or two about the most like simple, basic mundane, uh, things that were going on around me that I was just like having this whole experience with of gratitude of of like falling in love with nature kind of thing it was just so beautiful
0: that's awesome man thank you for sharing that i've had similar experiences um not necessarily with family to that degree but being around someone that lives in a way that they're able to reframe situations like that and apply spiritual principles to them. It's so powerful to actually be able to have that experience with someone personally versus reading it in a book right? You know, it's like you sit down with someone and you have something going on in there. I mean, this is the role of like a mentor or a guru or something, right? It's like you see something subjectively in a certain way. And that person, because of, you know, them applying principles in their life, they look at it from 30,000 feet up and show you a multitude of perspectives that you unto yourself would probably be hard pressed to be able to identify. So that's that's really powerful and cool. Thank you for that. And then lastly, I'd like to know, Uh, where you'd like our listeners to go find you, social media, website, et cetera.
1: Oh, wonderful. So the website is sunpotion.com, and that's relatively easy to find out there. You know, if you do go to the website, you'll see a nice page or two of product description about each of the herbs. So if it feels like it's confusing or there's these 20 or 30 herbs out there that I've never heard of that, you know, how do I know which one to take? There's a lot of information that can be found through the website about each of the products, and also within the website, there's there's like a, a press section with I think we we looked the other day and there was like over 200 articles from awesome awesome blog people that are like super into health and wellness and and this this whole world and lifestyle that we're doing that generate all this amazing content about the herbs ingredients uh, recipes how to use them interviews with Nitsa and I, interviews about the company, just general kind of question things, articles about events that we've done. I mean, so there's, there's a lot to be kind of, there's like a rich database of information there. Um, if you were to go to something like the Instagram account, this is a pictorial storyline of the evolution of the brand. You could like scroll down to the bottom of it and like just look your way up and you'll see this like growing a flowering of this beautiful project that's been happening. You know, that covers maybe the last couple of years. There's a hashtag, a potion a day. Hashtag a potion a day is like a means of people sharing what they're doing for themselves in the morning and having their daily potion. It's a reminder to have that compliance piece that we spoke of, of making these things a part of your daily life, making them something that you love. I mean... I'm kind of partial to liking a little magic in my life and a little uh, whimsy and fun and these kinds of things. And the idea of actually making myself a potion to have every morning just sounds great. Me too. Awesome.
0: Yeah, and you guys do have a really well-curated Instagram. I mean, I have to say it's probably like the sexiest looking, like health related Instagram and tons of followers, like really good posts. So people that are into the aesthetics and, you know, into really great branding. I mean, I really appreciate it for that. And it is fun to see behind the scenes that company is like actual real people doing real stuff. It's not like some money hungry, you know, <laughs> selfish person who's just like slinging snake oil to the masses. I mean, you guys are really living the lifestyle too. And that's what Sun Potion is. It's kind of, to me, it's, it's like not just a brand, but it really is a lifestyle and the whole community and it's, it's just a cool way to do it. So I appreciate what you do and I really, really enjoyed sitting down talking to you, dude. It's great to see you and I just feel this like heart connection to you and it's just like a wonderful opportunity to get to have you share your wisdom and experience. So thank you and until next time, we'll check out. Thank you. This is that time of the night when uh, they turn off the music and the record sort of scratches and skips and er, end of the music. They flip the lights on and they kick you out of the bar. The party is over, folks. I'm sorry. Episode number 43 has come to a close. I've got to say goodbye to you. You've got to say goodbye to me and my guest Scott. And we got to keep it pushing. I know. It sucks. It's sad. I wish I could sit here all day and all night just rapping to this microphone getting this message through to your eardrums. But I got to bounce, and I'm sure you do too. But before we do, I want to remind you about next week's episode with my friend Khalil Rafati, where we talk in depth in a very real, raw, and unedited way about drug addiction and alcoholism. It's heavy. It's deep. But it's also very inspiring. So catch episode number 44 next week. And it's also a two-parter, as I said. So next Tuesday and Friday. But you won't catch it if you don't subscribe, dog. So reach down on your device or on your computer right now. Don't be a weirdo. Just do it. Do what I say. Comply. Just kidding. I'm not trying to boss you around, but I am. Click subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss that episode or any others to follow. And with that, I'd like to just thank you again for listening and paying attention to the stuff that I'm putting out in the world. You have no idea how fun it is for me to sit down with people like Scott and my friend Khalil next week, get to have these conversations and then blast them out into the universe for people like you to hear. So I thank you for that. Hey, guys, don't forget to come down to the Wim Hof Method Fundamentals Workshop this weekend at Story Fitness in Hollywood. You can sign up at whm-fundamentals.eventbrite.com. That's whm-fundamentals.eventbrite.com. Hopefully it doesn't sell out and I can see some of you guys over there this Saturday, February 4th. goes from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. See ya.